Welcome again to the Radio Bible Course and our study about the Bible and its inspiration. I'm reading today from Galatians chapter 3, a passage that deals with how accurate the Bible is. Listen to this, beginning with verse 15 of Galatians 3. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, plural, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. Now, why does Paul point this out? He's referring to a passage in the Old Testament. It is part of the promise God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left that country which is known as Iraq today, and went into the promised land. He took Sarah, his wife, and his nephew Lot, and everything that they had, and headed for Canaan. When he came to a place called Shechem, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, or seed, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now the point Paul is making in Galatians chapter 3 is that God had in mind one person who would be a blessing to all the world, and that person is referred to as the seed. Listen again to what Paul writes. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture, Paul writes, does not say and to seeds or descendants, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Now, we've been talking about the accuracy of the Bible and the inspiration of the Bible. Are the words inspired or are just the thoughts inspired? Paul here puts emphasis on the fact that not only the words are inspired, but even the singular or the plural of the words are inspired. He has taken a single word, the word for seed or descendant, and said it is singular. It doesn't refer to many people, but to one. Here is the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, to interpret for us the passage in Genesis chapter 12 and to tell us that this passage refers to Christ because the word seed is singular, not plural. A man would be a fool to make this kind of an argument if he didn't believe the word of God was inspired and that every letter was inspired by God. So, 
What we arrive at after reading a passage like this in Galatians chapter 3 is that God inspired everything that we have, and no wonder, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a jot, not a dot, commonly called a tittle, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What is an iota? The smallest of the Greek letters in the alphabet. And what is a tittle? A little mark put at the end of a Hebrew letter. In other words, when the prophets wrote, even the smallest stroke of a pen added to a Hebrew letter was inspired by God and would not pass away until everything was fulfilled. Jesus just before that said, Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, so many people think that this means that the law would never come to an end. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the accuracy of the writings of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. He said everything they have written will come to fulfillment. And he came and fulfilled them. Right down to the cross where Christ was crucified, he fulfilled what was written in the Old Testament. He fulfilled all that was written about him in Isaiah 53. Listen to what Isaiah wrote about him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Christ went to the cross, he fulfilled this. Jesus said, He didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them, and he did exactly that. The famous prophet David wrote in Psalm 22, that they would pierce his hands and his feet. He wrote about the friend of the Messiah who would betray him, who would eat of his bread and yet betray him. He wrote about those who would gamble for his clothing at the cross. Jesus fulfilled all of those things. He fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament at his resurrection, for David had written in Psalm 16 how the body of the Messiah would not suffer decay. These are dramatic statements which could not have been uttered except by the inspiration of God. No man could have known those things which would happen about a thousand years later. Fulfilled prophecy is an indisputable argument for the inspiration of the Scriptures. Don't let anyone belittle it. So great is the testimony of the Old Testament prophets that Jesus himself referred to it as proof 
that he is the Messiah, the one that God had promised in the Old Testament, and he told the Jews, who prided themselves on their knowledge of the Scriptures, to search the Scriptures, because the Scriptures were those writings which told about him. What he told the Jews is good advice for us today, because we as Christians often take for granted those Old Testament prophecies. But they stand as a testimony of the fact that the word of the Lord endures forever. It has survived 20 centuries of criticism and attack. People have tried to destroy the Bible, to burn it, to ban it. They have burned those who translated it. But the Bible is still here. The word of the Lord endures forever. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and he said, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Well, no wonder that Jesus said before his crucifixion, Truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not a jot or a tittle will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, there are other things that are written which have yet not been accomplished. Everything regarding our salvation has been accomplished, but not future things. There is much in Scripture about the days ahead, about the resurrection of the dead and the judgment of the dead, about the return of Jesus Christ and Him establishing His kingdom on the earth in Jerusalem to fulfill the promises given to David that His Son would rule on His throne. And that rule of Jesus Christ over a millennial kingdom is a kingdom which is said to be 1,000 years in the book of Revelation. These are things which will certainly be fulfilled, just as certainly as the former prophecies were fulfilled. The prophecies about Jesus concerning his birth, his place of birth, how he would come into the world through a virgin, were all fulfilled literally. And on that basis, we can say, the other prophecies will likewise be fulfilled literally. The angel Gabriel's word to Mary, that virgin Jewish woman, that she would conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus, and that he would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High, included three other points of prophecy. That he would rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there would be no end, and that God would give him the throne of his father David. The last three points await fulfillment, but they are just as certain as the virgin birth of Jesus and the greatness of Jesus, which have been fulfilled literally. Now returning to our subject for the day, does the Bible support the claim that even the words in the Bible, the words themselves, are inspired, or are only the paragraphs, or the sentences? I ask that because there is the theory that God just inspired Thoughts, and men wrote whatever they could based on the thoughts that God gave them. 
That's not the biblical view, because even the letters are inspired. And not only the letters, but the singular or the plural of the letters. And that's the point Paul the Apostle makes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, when he writes, The Scripture does not say, and to his seed, the Scripture says, to your seed, meaning one person, which is Christ. The revelation of God through the prophets is not generalization. It is precise. And for that reason, we can trust the word of God. And now this announcement. Are you perplexed about prayer? Our tapes on understanding prayer will give you a biblical view of prayer and will also alert you to how many people misuse prayer today. We, of course, want to pray effectively, and this means praying according to God's will and according to the instruction given in the Bible. Now, you will hear many prayers which ask for things contrary to God's purposes, but this four-tape series on understanding prayer will give you principles to follow as you pray. Our brochure on teaching tapes will tell you how to order this and many other courses on cassette tape. Ask for the teaching tape brochure. When you write, ask for our free copy of Heaven's Password, a booklet that will help you to understand how God saves people through faith. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.